You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. In Acts chapter 9, we have Joppa, a certain disciple, and her name was Tabitha or Dorcas, depending on whether you're looking at her Hebrew name or her Greek name, and she did good deeds. She looked after the community around her. She was a sower, and that's what she did to support the the people near her. And she gets sick, and she dies, and they say, Peter, this isn't far away. Please come up to to Joppa and help this dear sister of ours who's who's fallen sick. So he gets there, and in from verse thirty nine onwards he can see the tunics and the garments that she'd made while she was with them. He can see her work all around her that she did to support others. And that's the reason why we're looking at this end of Acts chapter 9, because this is kind of relevant to Cornelius' story as well. So here's Peter. He takes everyone else out. He kneels down and prays, and he says to her, Tabitha, arise, and this woman is raised from the dead. The Apostle Peter has used the holy power of God to raise this woman from the dead. So... Here he is doing God's work in an amazing way, but he still has things to learn. He still hasn't got out of a mindset of thinking like a Jewish man who grew up in the synagogue and learned the law and did those those kinds of things. And God is trying to tell Peter tonight, I'm doing something different. I'm going to more than just the Jews. So that's where we find Peter. He's at Joppa. He's staying there for a while after helping Dorcas or Tabitha and he's got to learn this lesson. And so we get to Acts chapter 10, and Acts chapter 10 is about Cornelius. So, Cornelius was a centurion. Who knows what a centurion is? Any of the kids? Yeah? What's a centurion? Captain of a hundred Roman guards. When you get 100 runs in cricket, what's it called? A century. 100 years, 100 runs in cricket, century, centurion, 100. So he's a captain over 100. So this makes him a pretty, pretty senior kind of guy. So he's got 100 men, and he's responsible for their training and their discipline. We hear of him as being part of the Italian regiment. That means he's almost certainly a Roman. So you you wouldn't call it the Italian regiment if there weren't a bunch of Romans in there. So you can have all sorts in in the Roman army, but this is Italian because it's got Romans in it. And it's part of a cohort at Caesarea. And a cohort means there's something between 400 to maybe even 1,000 people in this group. So a huge bunch of soldiers. He's got a very senior position in it. And to be a centurion... You're not just some junior in the army. You've done a whole lot of work. And what is the work that army people do? They kill other people. So I talk with um, veterans at work. We've got a, a veteran support group that you know, is, is part of my company. And something that they talk about is they find it difficult to reintegrate into society because everyone around them doesn't understand that they've been trained to kill, that that is their job. That's what they learned how to do, and they were very good at doing it because that's what they did. So here is a centurion. There's somebody that 
we probably struggle to understand today because none of us have served in the armed forces that I, that I know of. But here is a man who is a killer, and he was so good at it that he was promoted. And yet here is a man who is also a pillar of the church, the ecclesia, the brothers and sisters that met here and had faith in God. So here is God calling all sorts of people, not because of what their background was, but because of what was in their heart and what he knew they were capable of becoming. So is, is Cornelius a young man? No. Is he a junior? No, he's very seasoned. But is he faithful? Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to see some of that through. So there's an important lesson in that for us, I think, in terms of judgment, just like Peter was learning about judgment. He was learning that things that you know, he might have called unclean, he probably shouldn't. He should be thinking about how does God perceive this person? What is, what is my role from God? So we find out that Cornelius is a devout man. He's one who feared God with all his household and he gave generously to the people. And he receives this vision. So there's, there's very particular words here used by the writer Luke, as, as Jimmy mentioned in his uh, introduction. So when Luke calls a person devout, he's not calling them a Jewish word. This is a word that Luke reserves for Gentiles, for foreigners to Jewish people. And it kind of means they came from something else and they've discovered the one true God. And that they're fearful of one. So the Greek word is in there, phubomenos, fearful of one. And that's hopefully all of us here tonight as well. Whereas Jews, they, they never had that problem. They always had monotheism. So here is this amazingly faithful Cornelius. And we also hear this special word, his household. It wasn't something he kept to himself. His whole household was involved in his worship and they'd been converted together. But he's taken on this Jewish faith, this faith of the Bible. And at the ninth hour, or as, as Boltz was reading out, how, what time was that? About three o'clock in the afternoon. He's undertaking prayer, just like uh, a Jewish person would. And he receives a very, very clear vision that tells him, you know, your arms have come up for a memorial before God. And this is a real castback right to the Old Testament because it's telling us something very important about what Cornelius is doing. So if we look back at Leviticus chapter 2, we're going right back into the Mosaic law, the law that Moses gave to the children of Israel when they're out in the, in the wilderness. And right back there, we get the law of a meal offering, an offering of very fine flour. So besides the obvious answer of where do you get fine flour from being the shops, how did they make fine flour back in the day? How did you get rough grain and turn it into fine flour? I really like questions, but everyone's been really quiet tonight. You've got to grind it. You've got to put a bit of elbow grease into it. You've got to... You've got to do some work. You've got to really work this thing. And so this was an offering in the Mosaic law that was about doing work and then offering that to God, getting involved in doing something with, with the attitude that you had. And when we read through those, those chapters, you can see them on the screen, when anyone offers a grain offering to Yahweh, his offering shall be a fine flour. So you've got to put the work into it. 
and then you pour oil on it, you pour frankincense, which has that beautiful aroma, and you bring it to the priests, and they're going to take a handful of that and they're going to give it to God. They're going to burn it on the altar and the remainder goes to the priest. So you're supporting the work of the temple as well as giving an offering to God. And that aroma goes up to God and God recognises that offering. And so here is Cornelius in the New Testament, a long way from the Jewish temple, who is doing work in his community. He's got faith in his heart and God has said, I've received, I've had a beautiful smell in my nostrils from your offering, from what you have offered to me. And Cornelius probably didn't think he was doing things for God. He thought he was just giving alms to others, you know, helping with donations, helping people who couldn't help themselves. But God said, that's, that's come up to me. I can see that. And it's quite a, quite a contrast, really, to the words that we get from to Peter a, bit, a little bit later. So God notices, God sends him a vision, a very clear vision, an angel. And there's, there's Cornelius, he's absolutely afraid because, you know, who sees angels? Here is this senior man in the army that's quaking in his boots because... Here is a, an angel in front of him saying, you know, I've received your offering and I need you to go and send for my servant, Simon Peter. So he does exactly what he's told because this is a man of faith and a man, a man of fear of God and he sends for Peter. So send for Peter, Simon, whose surname is Peter because he had multiple names. He's, he's staying at the house of Simon, who's a tanner. Does everyone know what a tanner is? Animal skins, it's someone who turned the literal animal skin into a, a leather product that could be used. What would you imagine the house of a tanner to smell like? Feral. We'd probably puke and, you know, it's pretty disgusting. I find it amazing that Peter is in this house with a, with a man who deals with animal skins and dead animals all day because of what we're about to hear from, from Peter you know, common or unclean, this is a pretty unclean house. So under, under, under the Jewish law, I'm not sure tanners had much of, a, uh, much of a trade. But here is Peter. He's in the house of Simon the tanner, and the angel has given Cornelius perfect instructions where to go, where to find him. This is where he is. And so 50 k's, away they go. And then we get to Peter's story. So Peter... Now, he's having a vision as well. His isn't as, as clear. He's not seeing an angel. He's, it almost seems like he's a bit delirious on, on the roof of the house because it's lunchtime and he hasn't had anything to eat and he's on the roof of the house. He's praying in a, in a very Jewish, uh, ritualistic way and he gets this completely different vision. So he's up, up there on the house. Heaven opens and it's like a, there's a sheet dropped down from heaven and it's got all kinds of, of animals in it and the voice says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And just looking at what some of these things mean, so it is the sixth hour, so counting from 6 a.m. when the Jewish day started, that's lunchtime. It's that Jewish prayer custom, one of those, you know, three-hourly prayers. And maybe I imagine he saw like a, a fishing sail because it's a sheep held up by corners. And you know, what else were they used for? Here's Peter the fisherman. And it's got all kinds of four-footed animals, reptiles, and birds of the air in it. All kinds of things. Now, in Australia, we, we eat almost everything, particularly our coat of arms. Anyone had emu and kangaroo? Raise your hand. Yep. 
pretty delicious if, it, if it's cooked right. But the, to the Jewish mind, no good, no good at all. But here is Peter being commanded by God in this vision, and he would have seen it as that. Get up, Peter. You know, you've got something to do. Kill and eat. In other words, cook it and eat it. Do it, Peter. And what's, what is Peter's response? No. What, what, what did Cornelius do when he got the, the message from the angel? Bang. Servants, go, go and get that man. God has given me a message. Peter gets the instruction and Peter says, no. Three times Peter says no. This is, this is very Peter. And there's, there's a couple of quotes in there. So you can think of John 21 after the Lord Jesus Christ appears to Peter after his resurrection and gives him that challenge, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Peter was upset by the end of that, but there's another three for Peter as well. Can someone remember what that other three times was for Peter? The night Jesus was trialed and, and to be crucified, you'll, you'll deny me three times before the cock crows. And Peter said, no, that's not my Lord. No, that's not my Lord. No, that's not my Lord. I don't even know him. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Peter, when he sees something happen three times, hits him right in the heart. So Peter knows he's, he's in trouble now, and it's that exact moment there's a knock on the door, and here's Cornelius's men. They've come to say, is this the house of Simon the Tanner where Simon Peter is staying temporarily because, you know, no one's tracking you on the social media? How on earth would you know? But here he is. And so here is, here is Peter knowing he's been intervened in. He knows something's going on here. And so, you know, we've got the, the words in there. He, he decides to go with them. He, even though he still, he still questions them, he says, all right, that, that sounds like an angelic message. I'll go with you. Peter's adding the numbers up here and going, this is looking like God is directly intervening in my life. I'd, I'd probably better go along with it. But it, he still did the note. He still did the, the, the Peter thing. You know, when Lord Jesus Christ said to Peter, I'm going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be crucified, Peter said, no, Lord, I won't let it happen. This, this won't happen. When, Peter tried, when, sorry, when Jesus tried to wash Peter's feet, Peter said, don't wash me, you can't do it. And Jesus said to him, if you don't let me intervene in your life, you can't be saved, basically. But Peter is still hung up in this Jewish mindset of thinking. And you know, as we're reading through, there was that reference to the law of Moses in, in, the, in the book tonight. So Peter uses two words to describe the animals. And if you're looking in New King James, it's common and unclean. And they almost seem like the same word to us because we just don't have that, that mindset. But if we're looking at that first word, common, it's listed up there as koinon. It's impure, unwashed, unholy, or common. It's the opposite of something that's holy, the opposite of something that God has said is okay. And then unclean, that's, that's the word acatheton. Now, I don't know if you've, if you've noticed, there's a bunch of words out there that have the letter A, letter a out the front of them, and it means not that. Atypical, not typical. So this is a word that literally means not cleaned. Doesn't, doesn't mean unclean, it means not cleaned. So there's two elements to this. One is the law of Moses saying, 
you're not allowed to eat these animals because I've not set them apart for eating. God has not said this is an animal you can eat. And the other part is this, these are not animals that have been cleaned, have been made clean. So there's two ways of thinking that Peter has to get his mind around. You know, what has been set aside? Because he's grown up thinking the Jews have been set aside. The Jews are the opposite of the koinon. The Jews are the ones that God is looking after. And then he's also got the way of thinking of the way Jews behave. They cleanse themselves all the time. They're always doing ritual washing all the way up to the elbows, washing the feet, washing things all the time. This is how Peter thinks. I've been set aside and I clean myself all the time. I'm good. And he's got to stop thinking like that because he's about to meet Cornelius, who is not a Jew and has not done all the rituals. But God said, I'm in his heart. He's got his beautiful aroma that's come up to me from what he's doing. So Peter is still thinking about this Jewish law, but we really, really, really don't have to think about that anymore. So I'm just going to turn over to Galatians chapter 2, and that's the one I'll read out tonight that really shows us that we don't have to think about this. So Galatians chapter 2, how about, yep, Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, if I get the right one. Galatians 3, from verse 24, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we should be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So there's just a really simple verse that tells us that the, the law that was given to the children of Israel, the law of Moses, was there to help them understand God, to help them understand right from wrong. And for us... The value of the Old Testament is not that we're bound by those laws, but that we use them to learn about why Jesus Christ behaved the way that he did and why God did things. But now that we are with Christ and to be baptised into him, we're no longer bound by that law. We don't have to, to worry about Sabbath days and eating particular animals. We can, we can enjoy chicken and chips for dinner without having to worry about kosher. But... Let's, let's have a little exercise on cleansed. So, a quick show of hands. Who helps mum with the dishes? Oh, that's pretty good. Ooh, if you're there. Who helps dad with the dishes? Oh, okay. One, one or two. That's, ooh. There, there was nearly trouble there. Who helps mum and dad load the dishwasher? Yeah, there's few, few of those these days. All right, so here's, here's some rapid-fire questions. So what do you need to wash the dishes? What are the, what are the key ingredients in washing dishes? Water. What else? A bit of soap. That's good. Yeah. What else? A dishwasher. A dishwasher? That's the thing with two legs that stands in front of the sink, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. What, what else do you, do you do? You just sort of... You've got, to, you've got to scrub it. You've got to put a bit of work in. And then sometimes you, if it's really baked on, what do you do? Soak. You soak it, leave it under there for a bit. And then it goes onto the rack to dry off. And why do we wash dishes? 
to clean them so we can use them. They've got to be useful things. So when we're thinking about cleaning dishes, think about our life and think about what God's doing with us and trying to, to cleanse us. Because what we're looking at tonight is that God is the one doing the cleaning in our lives. It's not us cleaning ourselves. We, we simply can't do it. Dishes don't clean themselves. You know, I've heard that from mum a number of times. You know, somebody has to get, get in there and do it. Someone has got to do some hard work. Sometimes the dishes might not enjoy the scrubbing they're going to get to get all the spots off them. And you know what the worst bit about dishes is? They get dirty again and again and again and again. But we're only baptised once. So that's, that's the special miracle about what God does different compared to just regular dishes. Because what we've got is the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's language in here that I think you're going to see relates directly to Cornelius. Because in Hebrews chapter 10, we've got this saying that sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you didn't desire. God didn't really want them. He didn't really have pleasure in them even when they're offered perfectly according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. I've come to do the thing that you most wanted. He takes away the first that he can establish the second. Takes away the law of Moses to establish the law of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. By that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So Jesus Christ was that perfect fulfilment of the law of Moses that had animals being sacrificed again and again and again for sins, forgiven, 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 and we keep sinning, so more and more animals. Jesus Christ did it once perfectly because he never, ever sinned. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we've got fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So there's a thing that we do, and there is a thing that we continually do for the rest of our life, which is walking in the light. So there's this element right here that it is God that's cleansing us. He's used the blood of Jesus Christ. As, as awful as that sounds, he's used the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us from sin, and we need to do that ongoing action to, to love him. And there's a, another great example to look up in Mark chapter 12. We might, might leave it, which is the the young man who's trying to understand, you know, I've fulfilled all the law, what do I need to do? You need to love. You've got to love God with your whole heart and your whole mind and push, put some effort into it. You've got to do something. And that's, so let's get back to Peter and Cornelius. So Peter's going to Cornelius, he gets invited in and I, I kind of laugh when I, when I read Peter's words because he goes in and Peter is just blunt. He is just the man that says the first thing that's on his mind. He doesn't bother about airs and graces and, you know, it's so nice to be here. Thank you for the lovely invitation. He says, no, don't you know it's unlawful for me to be here? You foreigners. I'm not supposed to eat with you, right? He says, but God has shown me I shouldn't be calling people common and unclean anymore. It's almost like a scolded toddler who's just going, oh, well, you told me not to anymore. But he has to get this out. He has to tell Cornelius and his whole household that you lot are foreigners and you're common and unclean and I shouldn't be here according to the Jewish law. So this is just, it's Peter all over, but it's blunt and it is partly the truth, but Peter is on this journey of learning that 
he's about to be amazed that God has been working in this household and he's about to get slapped in the face again by almost another vision as it was. So he says, why am I here? And Cornelius gives him the, the story, you know, I was fasting and then there was, I was in prayer and then there was, the man of God appeared to me and so I sent for you immediately and thanks for coming. So then Peter's finally seeing it here. He's finally seeing the truth. He opens his mouth and says, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He's, it's dawned on him that this is a faithful man that has done exactly what God has told him to do and has looked after his whole household. And so Peter then basically gives them the gospel. So he says, oh, in every, in, sorry, just last bit, so in every nation, whoever fears him and whoever works righteousness is accepted by him. So before we move on, this is the most important thing of the night for us. Here, here in Adelaide, here in Australia, a long way from the Middle East, a long way from any Jewish synagogue, this is the most important bit for us. Because here, here we are, and here we have the opportunity to take on Peter's words, to fear God and to, to work righteousness. So to fear, to understand, to obey and to do. But then we take on the good news from chapter 10 and verse 36 onwards. And this is what Peter says to them. The gospel in Peter's little nutshell that he gives to this household, as, as much as the words we've got recorded. This is the word which God sent to the children of Israel. Notice he's still going, you know, we got it first, mate. Preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. He's, he's learning. That word you know, it was proclaimed throughout Judea, we got it first, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were possessed by the devil, for God was with him, and we're witnesses of him, of everything that he did, and then he was crucified and then God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, and not to everyone, just to us. So Peter's still credentialing himself a bit here. And he commanded us to preach to the people, to testify that it was he who ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And there's a theme running through that. There's a really important message that Peter touches on a couple of times. That Christ was healing people, people who were suffering from mortality that there were people that were oppressed by the devil. And if you want to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, this was what Christ killed on the cross. He killed the devil on the cross because he destroyed forever that permanent con condemnation of sin to death. So this, this is the thing going through. And then at the end, he is the judge of the living and the dead. So here is Peter's message in a nutshell, that... Christ was sent to be the judge of the living and the dead. He has life. He can raise from the dead. He is the salvation that everyone, everyone can seek. But God has to do the cleansing. And so while Peter is speaking these words, while everyone in Cornelius' household who has been inspired by what he's, what he's taught them and how, what they've done, the Holy Spirit falls on them. And this is like back in Acts chapter 2, 
when the disciples and the apostles received the Holy Spirit, it fell on them. And they thought that, you know, they got that because they were the disciples of Jesus Christ and they'd followed him through thick and thin and that was them. But here now is the Holy Spirit of God falling on Gentiles. And this, this is Peter's smack in the face to say, have you got the message yet? These are my people. I love them and this, because I love what's in their hearts and that sweet-smelling savour that's ascending up there. And we know they got the power of God. It was a, a power that God gave them, especially almost for Gentiles, because it was the power of tongues. They could speak in other languages, like the apostles could in Acts chapter 2. So this was God saying, you know, here is a special power that I'm going to give to them that's relevant to Gentiles, that's relevant to foreign nationalities, because they're going to have this command too to go out and preach to everyone they can find. But the most important thing is what Peter says next. Here is God having said to Peter, these people I've cleansed. These are my people. I've, I've washed them and I've, I've declared them to be mine. And Peter says, even though they've got the Holy Spirit, the next thing they need to do is be baptised because this is the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, can anybody stop it? No. They need to be baptised, even though they just received the Holy Spirit. And so we've got that same command for us, to, to be obedient, to have that fear of God within us, and to be baptised to say that we associate with Jesus Christ. We want to be associated with that man who's, in that really short little verse from, from Peter, has the power of life and death, has the power to judge the living and the dead and to grant us eternal life in the kingdom that he preached. And that was everything that he preached. The entire time he was on earth as a man, he was preaching the kingdom of God, telling people who were suffering, people who were poor, people who didn't have much, that this life isn't what you need to worry about. Think about being with me in the kingdom of God. So to recap then, Cornelius was a man of faith who cared for others. So this was what he put his effort into, was looking after other people. And Peter, we started the chapter with Peter as a bit of a lawman. He was thinking like a Jew. He was thinking, I've grown up in the synagogue, I'm God's special people, and I clean myself all the time, and that's what's good. And what he had to learn was that what Cornelius was doing by exercising his faith into action was what God was really looking for, that humble spirit, even though he was a Gentile, even though he was a killer, even though he was still a Roman soldier, still, he was a centurion, he was the best of them, that he was a man that God was working with and Peter had to go, God is working in that man's life, I need to work with him as well. So God does the cleansing God calls us clean only because of Jesus Christ. We can't clean our own dishes. God has to do that for us. And we've got to respect that work and obey his command. And baptism into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our way to salvation. So it's that whole picture, really, in a simple story of Cornelius tonight. He, he learned. He shared that learning with his household. He had faith. He had fear of the one true God. He was doing the right thing. And in the end, he was baptised. And we know, we're certain that he would go on to walk in the light as, as that chapter of 
First John told us. So there's this juxtaposition, really, that we've seen tonight between a, a ritualistic way of thinking of, you know, I need to do this and this and this, compared to Cornelius' way of thinking of, I need to have my heart in the right place so that when I see somebody in need, I'm going to give arms to them and I'm going to help them because that's what God would ask me to do because that's, that's his way of thinking. So that's the, um, the summary of tonight, the good news for everyone. It's the good news for everyone who has that love of God in their heart and wants to do the right thing because even the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostle Peter, they still had hard lessons to learn. They still grew up in a certain way and we can have these ideas from the way we've grown up as well. We can have rituals in our own life that we don't challenge all the time and sometimes, you know, we can be a bit of a Peter and go, no, and then we, you know, God shows it to us again and we go, no, and then God shows it to us another way and we go, no, and then finally we see it and we, we know that we have to submit to what it is that God wants of us and what God wants most of all is to be baptised into Jesus Christ and to find a place in his kingdom. So if you've got any questions, happy to, happy to take those. But um, just a little bit of a bonus for you. It's a bit of a deeper, deeper one. I'm just going to leave that one on the screen, which is a, a, an amazing parallel between the story of Jonah from the Old Testament and what Peter was going through tonight. There's some, some incredible parallels in that. From Jonah, who was told to go to the city of Nineveh, and Jonah said, nope. So God ended up putting him into a fish and delivering him there by hand so that Jonah would, would learn that when God wants something, God gets it. When God has people that he wants to turn to him, they will. When God calls one of us, doesn't matter whether we're Jew or Gentile, we had that opportunity and salvation is available for everyone. So thank you for your time tonight. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.